All right, well, today we are um, back in Daniel. How do you like those apples, as they say? Right? I uh, No, I have not forgotten. This is message number 45. Uh, right? And uh, we are in the ninth chapter, still in the ninth chapter of Daniel. And it worked out pretty well in that uh, we spent uh, several weeks leading up to the High Holy Days in that important part, that first 20 verses, you know, in, in Daniel chapter 9, that great prayer of repentance and, and confession and intercession and so on. Uh, and now uh, we're on the other side of those holidays, and, and uh, we see now that Daniel is going to have a vision uh, of the future far beyond anything uh, that he thought. Now, this is a passage of Scripture that uh, many of us are familiar with, the 70 weeks of Daniel. Uh, and I'm, uh, I myself uh, have, uh, boy, I would say, uh, I could almost, let's see, I'll say for about uh, 37 years have been teaching on this passage. Uh, I, you know, speaking in different places, people are always interested in it. But we often miss, in a way, uh, uh, to be honest with you, we might say the heart of it. Uh, it's kind of like, like this. You know, if you, uh, if you go for a walk uh, in a park, uh, one of the great things is, uh, I like to use like Innis Woods as a great illustration of this. Have you ever been there in, in Westerville? That it's so nice to go and you look at the flowers and the trees, and it's very, it's a very calming effect. They have these nice little walking uh, uh, trails, and you really get uh, uh, the, the essence of it. You know, the, uh, the, the feeling of, oh, nature and creation and so on. And that's great, you know, very important. But if we were to go there uh, and only see a particular tree and be beside ourselves in figuring out what kind of bark is on the tree, well, that has its place, and we want to know those kinds of things. We should always be learning. Sometimes we can miss what the whole thing is trying to convey, you know? Uh, and so it's true that in this passage in the book of Daniel, uh, it does tell us some very specific things that we'll mention here. We do want to get the big picture of it. Yeah, I have a friend, his name is Warren, and he lives in Connecticut, and he is an artist, uh, a fine artist. Not only a, a fine artist, but a, a fine artist. Uh, and uh, uh, he is a person that, uh, uh, in a couple of different times in my life, he and I have had the opportunity to go to art galleries and art museums. Now, when I go to an art gallery or, or a museum, you know, I, uh, or, or like, have you ever been to the uh, Museum of Modern Art in New York City, which is a real trip? You know, you can look at something and say, huh, you know, like, wow, that's interesting, a tree in a field. Uh, or, uh, oh, that person is smiling. Uh, and, oh, isn't it interesting how they make, the, make it to look like there's, like, light coming in or, you know, that, that kind of thing. Uh, or, of course, in a Museum of Modern Art, you, you know, you have like the famous, like uh, uh, you could have like um, a pyramid of Campbell's vegetable soup, you know, and it conveys something. Uh, but um, it meant something to the artist, no doubt. But anyway, so when I go to an art gallery, 
uh, with my friend Warren. He says, let's, let's go up close. And, and he will explain to me, see, this is how it's like, it looks like light coming in. And this is how, and the texture of the, fascinating, right? Fascinating. But it helps me then to step back then and appreciate what is the artist conveying, you know, in, in the big picture. So we want to understand what is the artist conveying uh, here in Daniel chapter 9. So, first of all, we see, you remember that uh, the, the, the main part of the chapter is a prayer, right? The main part of the chapter is a prayer. Daniel uh, is an old man now, and he's read the book of Jeremiah and probably other uh, passages from the prophets and maybe Deuteronomy uh, as well. Uh, and uh, he realizes that the 70 years of captivity are almost over, right? I'm not going to take the time to go back over that. We, we, we've talked about all of that. Uh, and so he prays, but he doesn't pray, Lord, uh, show me, uh, you know, uh, give me a sign so I know the day. His prayer is, you know, he's like in sackcloth and ashes and praying uh, that God would forgive the people and he's confessing the sins of the people and and interceding on behalf of not only himself and the people he knows, but all of the Jewish people everywhere uh, for the sake of God's uh, city and, and the sake of the holy mountain and for God's glory and for his name's sake. Uh, Lord, forgive us. And Daniel realizes that the main thing that has to happen is the confession and repentance, you know, uh, uh, for the return to take place. So he's, he, he realizes that the day is near and, uh, and uh, he's desirous to know when uh, this is going to happen. But his process of knowing when is repenting. Okay? So if you go all the way back to verse 2, he says that I observed the number of years that was revealed at the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet for the completion of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. So that's, then he begins this prayer. So now if you go all the way to verse 20, Now while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sins and the sins of my people Israel and presenting my supplications before the Lord, uh, 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 the Lord my God, in behalf of the holy mountain of my God. And so that's, verse 20 summarizes exactly what Daniel has been doing. That's what he's been doing speaking to God, praying, confessing his sins, the sins of the people, and presenting my supplication. Supplication in Hebrew uh, comes from that word tachanun, which means begging for mercy, basically, is uh, what that is. Okay, uh, Before the Lord my God. Uh, now, we notice, notice he says, uh, in behalf of the holy mountain of my God, not on behalf of me or on behalf of all the people, but on behalf of the holy mountain of my God. Well, the holy mountain is not about the Al-Aqsa Mosque or the Dome of the Rock, right? Uh, it's about the temple. It's about the temple, right? Uh, you know, I just saw, I just saw uh, yesterday or last night, uh, uh, there was an article in some magazine uh, questioning uh, what is holy about the, the, you know, the, the Temple Mount, right? And was the temple there? 
And so uh, in a Jewish uh, periodical, they were commenting on this, and they asked the question, was the White House ever in Washington, D.C.? You know, it's kind of an interesting little uh, uh, thing there. Obviously, that's why it is the Temple Mount, you know, uh, in Yerushalayim. Well, I could go, go on on that. But anyway, so uh, Daniel is praying on behalf of the holiness of God, on behalf of, uh, of, the, of the presence of God, on behalf of the temple, uh, you know, the visible uh, place where God would dwell. And that is his concern. Not so much for the people, but he knows that for the place to be holy, the people need to be there. Okay? So, he says, While I was still speaking in prayer, then the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision previously, came to me in my extreme weariness about the time of the evening offering. So, first of all, uh, Gabriel. Now, if you go back, if you remember, months and months and months and months ago, in chapter 8, we saw that Gabriel is uh, the one who conveys to him uh, this uh, uh, prayer about, uh, you know, about the future, uh, of the future from Daniel's day, future uh, kingdoms, right? Uh, specifically in Daniel chapter 8, the uh, Persian uh, kingdom and the Greek uh, uh, kingdom, right? Now, you know what's interesting about Gabriel He's very famous. It's a very famous name. When you think of Gabriel uh, in the Bible, you think of this angel. But you know what? Here's a very interesting fact. You only read his name in four different places. Four different places. I think it's about five verses, but four places in the Bible. Okay? So it's in Daniel chapter 8, Daniel chapter 9, and you know where the other place is? The other two are in one place. Luke chapter 1. How do you like that? Who is it that tells Miriam, that tells Mary who she is carrying in her womb? It's Gabriel. So the only time that you read about this angel ever is conveying truth about the coming of the Messiah. Okay? So it's very significant that it is Gabriel who conveys this truth in Daniel chapter 9. It is very significant. Okay? I, I, uh, because... Uh, here in this chapter, he is going to tell Daniel not just about the 70 years, but about something else, okay? That actually is going to help us to understand the way we should view all of history in a certain way. All right, so in verse 22, now it says, And he gave me instruction and talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel, I have now come forth to give you insight and understanding. I really, you know, wisdom and understanding is really uh, what that says, okay? At the beginning of your supplications, the command was issued, and I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed, so give heed to the message and gain understanding of the vision. So pay attention to what I'm going to tell you, okay? All right. And boy, it is interesting. Wouldn't it be great to hear that from an angel of the Lord coming to tell you, you are highly esteemed? Kind of interesting, you know? Uh, maybe we ought to pray like that. Uh, maybe we ought to be interceding on behalf of others and, and confessing sins and praying uh, for the sake of God's name rather than about what uh, God can do for me, you know? Might, might be helpful. Okay, so now this is what he tells him. Remember that Daniel's been praying the 70 years are almost over. The 70 years are almost over. 
uh, when are the 70 years going to be over? Okay. So now in verse 24, 70 weeks have been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. First, uh, 70 weeks. This is part one of the 70 weeks of Daniel. Okay. Uh, 70 weeks. What is 70 weeks? Okay. You know, uh, when we say uh, a dozen in English, what do we mean? 12. Dozen is the same thing as saying 12. Okay. In Hebrew, Shavua is the word for week. We, when do we say that usually? Where do you usually hear Shavua? Right? Shavua Tov. You hear it after we do Havdalah. Shavua Tov, to a good week. To a, really, to a good week means week. Okay? The Hebrew word, though, week, Shavua, means seven. It is the word seven. Okay? Uh, for example, uh, the holiday, Shavuot, literally is weeks. The, we call it uh, the, the Feast of, of Weeks. Right? And when you read uh, in uh, Leviticus 23 carefully, it says seven sevens, right? It's really what it is. Seven sevens and then one more day, right? That makes 50 days. Seven sevens is 49, and then one more day is 50. That's literally what it says uh, in Leviticus 23. So literally, here what you have is 70 sevens have been uh, uh, decreed, okay? Now, the first question we might ask ourselves as English readers of the Bible is, well, how do we know it's not just weeks? In other words, how do we know it's not uh, 70 weeks or 490 days? You know, how, how do we know that? Well, there's several ways that we know that. One is in the location, the context of the passage. Uh, it's talking about, you know, 70 uh, uh, years. Uh, uh, that uh, that are taking a, that that Daniel is is uh, uh, talking about, but there's actually a a uh, another way that we know that he's not talking about days, and that is there is a place very close to Daniel chapter nine in verse twenty four where it actually is speaking about twenty one days. Seven, seven weeks is speaking about 21 days, seven, you know, weeks. Uh, or, or, I'm sorry, uh, it says in chapter 10, three weeks. So how do we know that's not sevens? You know, you following me? How do we know it's not three, uh, you know, three times seven, 21 years? Okay, look in, uh, you see it here in chapter 10, and you see it says in, ver see verse 3, says, I did not eat any tasty food, nor did meat or wine enter my mouth, nor did I use any ointment at all until the entire three weeks were completed. Okay, so how do we know that's 21 days? The way, the way we know that's 21 days is because in Hebrew, it literally says weeks of days. It says weeks of days. Yamim is added after Shavua. It says weeks of days. Now, you might not see that in your English translation, because weeks of days mean, three weeks of days means three entire weeks, like we would normally say, okay? 
So, uh, so you have that there in, uh, in chapter 10. All right? All right, so here we have 70 weeks, 77s have been decreed uh, uh, for your people. Now, uh, I, now, there is a school of thought that just says it just uh, means forever, you know? Just uh, uh, um, like when Yeshua talks about forgiving, forgiveness, right? Uh, uh, how, how often should we forgive? 70 times 7. It doesn't mean 490 times, and then on four, 491, I no longer need to forgive. Obviously, he's not speaking about a literal uh, number there. However, in this passage, the way that it is laid out, uh, uh, first of all, when remember, this is an answer to prayer. When Daniel prays, he's praying about a specific time period. And then when Gabriel is explaining how these years play out, he speaks in time periods. And so there's certainly very good reason from both Jewish and Christian scholars alike to understand this as 490 years of some sort, whether it's broken up, whether it's in a whatever, it, at, least in, at least in verse 24, which I think is as far as we're going to get today, that uh, uh, it's speaking about 490 years, 70 times 7, right? It's 490, 490 years. Now, so Daniel's getting more than he bargained for, all right? He's, it's not just the captivity uh, ending, but there's something else. Now notice he says that this has been decreed. That in and of itself is important. That, that uh, Remember that the people had been living for 70 years in captivity. Were they still God's people? Did God still love them? Were they, uh, they're, they're out of the land, which always signifies a problem, chastisement. And remember, the temple was destroyed. It seemed like all hope was lost. Now, an entire, almost two generations have been living in Babylon, in another place. Will it ever come to an end? And so the first thing that Gabriel tells Daniel is that this has been decreed. It's going to happen, you know? Now think about, uh, you know, when you think about the laws of the Medes and the Persians, when a king decrees something, you know from the story of Esther, it cannot be changed. Even the king himself can't change the decree. The best he can do is do another decree, which is exactly what takes place, you know, in the story of Esther. So this 490 years is decreed. Whether they're in a row, whether they're split up, whether no, and no matter how it plays out, it's indeed going to happen. Kind of reminds you of the way Habakkuk prayed and the message that God gave him. Even though it seems like it's taken a really long time, it's going to be on time. See? Very important. Okay? So now, okay, this time has been decreed. 490 years have been decreed for your people and your holy city. Oh, now we have to stop there. You know, I hate to be sarcastic. Not really. It's kind of a hobby and pastime. But, but I no, just trying, speaking rhetorically to make the point. It's not about lower Manhattan. It's not about anything having to do with the New York Stock Exchange. It doesn't have anything to do with the United States. It doesn't have anything to do with North America. It doesn't have anything to do with floods in Louisiana. It doesn't have anything to do uh, with uh, Europe. 
doesn't have anything to do with the, uh, uh, the, um, uh, the euro. No, no. Uh, it doesn't uh, have anything to do with uh, great uh, portions of Asia and things that take place. Now, it will affect those places. This 490 years will affect those places. And God may indeed use some of those places to facilitate what he's doing. But it's not about any of these places. Can you imagine us saying it's not about us? Because it says, your people and your holy city. This 490 years is about the Jewish people and Jerusalem, according to the Bible. This 490 years is about the Jewish people and about Jerusalem. So goes the Jewish people, ultimately, so goes the world. And so goes Jerusalem, so goes the world. Not because of uh, uh, anything about uh, the dirt in Jerusalem or about uh, the Jewish people. It's about calling. It's about uh, how God... Uh, 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 the method that uh, God has in his own wisdom chosen to bring a new heaven and a new earth. That's important, okay? But this 490 years has to do with, Jeru- with the Jewish people and uh, uh, Jerusalem, okay? Your, your people and your holy city. To do what? to bring them back from the Babylonian uh, captivity, to bring them back to the place where they're in right relationship with God and so they can go on and fulfill uh, their, uh, their, their calling and, and uh, all is well and good. This is really important. And really, it's probably beshert or meant to be that this is part one of this because for those people, the way that they understood, the way that they, frankly, I'll even go out on a limb and say, in the revelation that anybody had received until that time, while the people are in the captivity, their expectation was, when this captivity ends and we go back, that's it. We're going back. We're going to rebuild the temple. The lion's going to lay down with the lamb. Uh, the Messiah will be king, and it'll be all over. And you see, what Gabriel is explaining to Daniel is that, as Yogi Berra once said, it isn't over until it's over. And it's not going to be 70 years, although the 70 years are very significant, but it's a much longer period of time. It's not exactly 490 years, as we'll see next week, because there's gaps in between some of these weeks. There's 490, we could say, prophetic weeks, but it, there's, it's been a lot longer than 490 years, my friends, uh, since, uh, since the clock started ticking here. Uh, and that is what Gabriel is explaining, okay? Now, let's see when, what the end is. To finish the transgression, to finish, to finish the, the sin. We don't need to worry about the difference between sin and transgression, but to finish it and to make, to make an end of sin. Whoa, we're not just talking about the Jewish people coming back to the land. We're not just talking about the, uh, the end of the Babylonian captivity here to make atonement for iniquity. In other words, to make amends for iniquity. No more sin. No more breaking God's laws. 
positively to bring in everlasting righteousness. Everlasting righteousness. To seal up vision and prophecy. Seal up vision and prophecy, may I suggest, doesn't mean seal it up like in a vault, but a seal, seal it up like a seal, like a king's seal. Like to make it, to make it like, to seal it up. This, it's for sure, you know, like bringing it all to pass and to anoint the most holy place, which of course is the temple in Jerusalem. So there are, uh, uh, when, when you see here, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most uh, holy place. What we're talking about is nothing short of the consummation, the end, the big promise. And if you think back to uh, Jeremiah, in uh, Jeremiah chapter uh, 31, well, actually, first, in Jeremiah chapter 6. No, never mind. Oh, not Jeremiah. Uh, Zechariah. So uh, keep your finger there in Jeremiah. Go to Zechariah chapter 6. Yeah, here we go. You read here in verse 12 and 13. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, a man whose name is Branch, for he will branch out from where he is, and he will build the temple of the Lord. Yes, it is he who will build the temple of the Lord, and he will bear the uh, and he will bear the honor and sit and rule on his throne. Thus, he will be a priest on his throne, and the council of peace will be between uh, will be between the 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 two offices. Uh, and uh, uh, certainly, uh, we see that uh, we see that that is uh, referring to the uh, the Messiah. Uh, when there'll be the holy temple, when there'll be an anointing. Then we can go over to Jeremiah and a couple of other places. Jeremiah chapter 23. Let's go over to chapter, Jeremiah chapter 23. All right. Now it says here, speaking of branch, in verse 5, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I shall raise up for David a righteous branch. And he will reign as king and act wisely and do justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah shall be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteousness. Boy, we ought to, we ought to make that into a song or something, right? The Lord, our righteousness, right? Then in Jeremiah chapter 31, you read here, beginning in verse uh, 31, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, although I was a husband of them, declares the Lord. Now in verse 33 of Jeremiah 31 it says, But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it. I will be their God, and they shall be my people." And they shall not teach again each man his neighbor, and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. Okay? So now if you go uh, there to Daniel chapter 9, okay, you see that all these promises, also there's another branch passage in the fourth chapter of Isaiah. We won't take time to turn there. But the point is 
There are many passages throughout the prophets that refer to these things, an end of sin, transgression, uh, you know, everlasting righteousness. The, this is the great hope, the Olam Haba, the, the new Jerusalem, the, uh, the Messiah sitting on his throne in Jerusalem and all the nations coming. That's what all of this is referring to. But it's about, it takes place in Eretz Yisrael and the Jewish people being in the right place, knowing the Lord and being there. That will affect all of the, all of the nations and, and uh, the salvation you know, of this world. So, verse 24 is not just about coming back to end the captivity, but about the end of the whole thing, the end of exile altogether. Okay? The end of exile altogether. All right? So what we learn here, and we're going to stop here, is that when the people came back from the Babylonian captivity at the end of 70 years, one, it wasn't the end of the story, but it was a link in the chain of moving history forward. So it was significant. You could say that the return of the Jewish people from the Babylonian captivity was a type of, re of return to the land. Now, perhaps there were end-time prophets saying, we're going back, we're going back, Zerubbabel, he must be the Messiah, you know, and, uh, and we're going back, and so therefore, this is the end, this is the end, everybody. You know, as a famous prophet once said, yada, 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 you know, okay? Uh, and, but it wasn't, but it was significant, but it wasn't the end, Right? So there's a great, I, I think, uh, principle here in that his temporal historical events serve as types and pictures as history continues to move forward. So things take place. You know, even in the life of Yeshua, when John the Baptist, when, when uh, um, uh, John the Baptist was identified with Elijah the, Pro Elijah the prophet, it wasn't the end of the end. But it was like, uh, as uh, someone likes to refer to it, was a generic fulfillment. That you have fulfillments that take place. As, as one promise unfolds toward the end of history, as we move forward toward that end, you have uh, events that take place that serve as types or pictures moving us forward. In the text itself, as we will learn in upcoming weeks, the whole history of Antiochus Epiphanes, you know, and the desecration of the temple and all that, is right here in, we'll see in the text in chapter 9 and in chapter 11, plays, bears this out, where that historical event, which was in Daniel's future, if you can follow me, in Daniel's future, it says right in the text, we'll see later on, but this pertains to the time of the end. But it wasn't the end but it pertains to the time of the end. So the events that take place in our own lifetimes are significant, but where we go into trouble is always calling it, this is the end, this is the end, this is the end, because nobody knows that except God himself. Okay? All right. Uh, and so what do we learn here? We learn that um, uh, uh, Daniel and his prayer, the result is he gets an answer to his prayer. But it was much more than, than he bargained for. He thought, uh, like most of us would think, that okay, the 70 years, we go back, exile is over, 
that's it, there's a great restoration, right? But what he was being taught is no, it's, you know, it's part of the journey, but there's much more that still has to take place. But most of all, what he's learned is that, but the time period has indeed been decreed. And though it seems like it may tarry, it will not fail. And that the end will indeed come. And there will be everlasting righteousness. There will be an end of sin. There will be an end of transgression. There will be a restoration of the holy place. All of that will indeed happen. Daniel, you may not see it in your lifetime, but that's why you have hope, see, and faith and trust. And so we live in, in, in days when we wonder, where is God? When is he, you know, we need it to end soon. And, and we look for ways for it to end soon. And uh, because we're hurting people in this world. But let us remember that the time has been decreed. And these prophetic years have not yet finished. They've not yet finished. And we'll understand how the text itself actually tells us that uh, 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 next week. Uh, when we look at verses 25 to 27. Uh, and because the text will tell us that it's not 490 years in a row, but it explains it. Uh, but may we go away encouraged to know that the time has indeed been decreed and that w- it will indeed take place, whether, our, whether in our lifetime or not in our lifetime, uh, whether uh, it's another thousand years or tomorrow. It indeed is going to happen. And we are told uh, in another place in the text that what we're supposed to do is live by faith, live in faithfulness, and be a light to Israel and the nations. As Yeshua said, when they asked him, basically, when are you going to restore Jerusalem? Which is, when is this time period going to end? He said, it's not for us to know times or epics by which the Father has fixed by his own authority, right? But you shall receive power when the Ruach HaKodesh comes upon you, right? And so go out in power and share this word in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth right there in Columbus, Ohio, right? Uh, and, uh, and that is what we are called to do. And so isn't it a great, uh, a great encouragement to hear from Judy, to hear from Richard and, and Susan, uh, and to know, uh, you know, where, where, where Sylvia is. Uh, and to know that we support lots of outreach in Israel and in other places. And even among uh, Arabs in the Middle East, Middle Eastern uh, Arab Muslims. Uh, uh, we support uh, outreach there too. And so out of Little Beth Messiah in Columbus, Ohio, uh, this message is being shared to the remotest parts of the earth. May we continue until that day when Yeshua returns. Let's pray. Lord, thank you, God, that you uh, told Daniel, Lord, that the end is going to come, but not exactly when he thinks. And Lord, uh, may we recognize in our own lifetime that you are indeed at work. You do indeed do lots of things, Lord. But far be it from us to be so arrogant as to have figured it out, Lord, May we figure out the need to repent. May we figure out uh, the way to bring this message to lost peoples everywhere. May we be about your work of advancing the cause of Yeshua, Lord, around this world, where people are hurting everywhere, where ungodly regimes are taking advantage and killing people, when people don't realize 
that indeed the king has indeed come and that they can embrace him and have hope for the future and for the journey in this day. And we pray in Messiah's name.